I knew there was something defective about my ministry because when our guy who typically led music was not there, I would have to lead, couldn't find anybody else to do it. And I noticed the difference. The guy that worked the microphone always shut it off before I started singing. So I always say they used to pay me extra just not to sing. But it is good to sing those great old hymns of faith, particularly because that is what my sermon deals with this morning. When I am at my home church, I, when I'm asked to preach, generally try to follow up on something that our pastor has uh, uh, spoken to and develop that. Uh, when I'm going to other churches, I have, don't have that luxury. And so I, I generally end up just finding something that feeds me first. Uh, I look for that which I need to hear. And uh, any of you here keep up with the news at all? Good for y'all. Uh, I'm doing less and less of it because it, it puts me in a uh, sour mood. It is difficult to listen to the things that are going on in our world today, a war, a world away that disturbs us. We are wondering what's going on there. The difficulties, of course, in our own country, uh, matters that affect our, our pocketbooks as well as affect offend our our moral compass as Christians. Uh, These are things that, of course, can uh, lead us to a sense of lack of want in our life, a a, a need for something that is good news. And that's why I'm grateful that every time I go to church, I know I hear good news. And I I just wanted to share uh, something from Hebrews 11. I know it is a very familiar chapter to you, uh, the chapter on faith. I said 4 to 8. I'm looking at verses 8 through 12 this morning. I want to look at Abraham's faith. Uh, Abraham, I think, stands for us as a good example of a man who is facing, uh, shall we say, difficult days, and yet he still had that that blessing from God that assured there was the possibility of joy in his life despite circumstances. Uh, Let's face it, he was given a promise at the age of 75 of a land that would be his and that of his heirs. And you know what? A hundred years later, he died at 175, and he still didn't have any land except a place to bury his family. That was it. God had promised him a land, and yet he had not yet seen its uh, fruition a hundred years after it was promised. And you can say something similar concerning the promise of an heir uh, in that God had told him that one that would come from him would be the heir of the promises, the gospel promises that were given to Abraham. And yet 25 years later at 99, he still didn't have that heir Uh, Now, I don't know about you, but should the Lord leave me here until I was 99, I wouldn't want an heir any more than the ones that I already have. But it it is amazing that he clung to those promises of God, and it is in that kind of faith that we can meet 
the temptations that this world offers us, that temptation to want to throw our hands up and just quit, that temptation to live in fear and doubt. We as Christians have better than that, and I think Abraham kind of gives us a, a hint as to how we can go about finding it. Let me begin by the reading of uh, the passage, then I will pray, and then we will see if we can hear God's word to us this morning, afternoon. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God." And I'm going to go ahead and stop it there and ask that we bow in prayer. Father, we need ears to hear that truth which will affect the lives that we lead this week. We, we need to be fed on your word, and it is our prayer that you will send your spirit so that we can hear, we can understand, we can find your spirit at work within us, to enable us, to strengthen us, to live for you this coming week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What kind of faith helps us to stay true to God, even when we don't see his promises fulfilled week after week, month after month, year after year? Well, there are three things I, I want to look at fairly quickly. One is that faith follows God's leading. What God says, we do. Uh, the second one is that faith like that finds security in God's promises. Promises, not necessarily their fulfillment, but the promises themselves. When God has said, I will be with you to the end of this age, we trust him, we believe him, and we know that he will care for us. And then finally, the one that really led me to this passage, that kind of faith uh, is ours when we find that our greatest desires are found in God himself, in the spiritual life that we have as his people. First, that faith follows God's leading. It is a response to God's gracious call. Abraham didn't wake up one morning and say, you know, I'm tired of these old gods. They're just not doing it for me. And I want to find the true God and started following after him. That is not the way he came to know the Lord, and it is certainly not the way that we came to know the Lord. What proceeds? God's gracious call. That changes everything. That is what provides us those ears to be able to hear the truth that leads to life. Abraham was just another pagan living in a foreign land, worshiping other gods when God called to him. And then Abraham listened. Let us keep in mind what verse 1 of this very chapter that we are looking at says. Verse 1 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The conviction of things not seen. He doesn't say the conviction of things that aren't real. Our God is real. His voice is real. Every time we open God's word, we hear it, and we know that it is that truth that comes from the creator of the universe himself. Faith begins with God and his effectual call and not with a feeling about spiritual things. I know a lot of people that talk about spiritual life. 
Now, by that, they mean just about anything other than Christianity, other than that faith that we hold to. They, they are willing to hear about spiritual matters from any teacher that will come along. But it is the name of Christ that must be heard. It is that word that is himself the word of God who has come to us. Salvation begins with, continues with, and ends with the glory of God is our goal and his keeping of us along the way. This kind of faith stays focused upon God and not just his promises. There are things that God has promised to each and every saint who, are, who is here this morning, but, but we shouldn't get so caught up in the promises that we forget the God who makes the promises, for it is our focus upon him that counts most. Abraham was called to a place that he would receive as a, a promise only uh, a decade or two after he had arrived in the land. In other words, it didn't come to him immediately. God just says, you get up and go to a place I will show you. And he didn't even tell him where it was, at least as far as Scripture tells us. He didn't even tell him where it was. He just says, get up and go and I will lead you there. As always, God's call demands an allegiance that exceeds every other loyalty we may have. There is nothing that we can place higher than that call to follow after him. That means that home, family, the familiar life that we've grown accustomed to and that we enjoy, all those things have to take second place to our commitment to follow after our Lord. It is he that we must love more than anything else. Yes, more than family, more than husband or wife, more than children, more than anyone else, we are to love and be devoted to our God. Abraham didn't get up and go to leave the Ur of the Chaldees in order to be able to go to the land of Canaan because he had heard that it was a land flowing with milk and honey. That's not why he went. Because again, God hadn't told him where he was going. He just says, I, I'll show you. And so he gets up and he leaves, not because it is a better place that he is going to, but because God had spoken. That's what God wanted. And for Abraham, that was all that is necessary. Would that it would be so in our lives. We hear God's word. He calls us to a life of holiness, of righteousness, of love for our neighbors as well as love for him. He calls us to that life. And we don't have to understand why it is necessary that we even love our enemies. We just do it because that is what God has called us to. It is enough that we hear him and that closes the matter for us. And that leads to the third point under that response to God's call. It is always, always accompanied by obedience Abraham had no guarantees about the future other than God had spoken to him and said something. That, that was it. No, no contract that was set out in front of him that he could hold on to and say, this is going to be mine. All he had was God's promise. But on this basis, he abandoned everything, everything that he had known before. He went out in obedience to God's command. Wherever there is true faith, Obedience always follows. It is inevitable. It can be no other way. All those arguments about 
can you be saved and then go out and live like the devil for the rest of your life and be saved are just silliness. They're, they're really not much worth much of a response because faith always is going to come with obedience. And why so? It is because God has changed us. We are not the same people as we were before we were saved. And that obedience is just the, the natural follow-up on the faith that we exercise, that faith that God has given to us. We know faith is real when it causes us to treat God's promises and God's commands as uh, genuinely uh, important for us to keep. Faith may motivate us one time to offer a better sacrifice, assuming that we're living back in the Old Testament days. In another case, it may lead us to build a boat out in the middle of nowhere to escape some rains that nobody has any ideas are coming. Faith may ask us to do some strange things sometimes, but because God has spoken, we listen and we obey. It always takes God's right to make demands on our life seriously. Yes, we do have somebody, whether you have an employer or not, whether you own your own company or you're retired or you're too young to be working, you, you always have somebody that has the perfect right to ask you to do whatever he wills in your life, and it is your responsibility to make sure you do your best to follow up on it. As servants, we are not permitted to wait until what God asks of us makes sense to us. Because quite frankly, there are times God has asked I think all of us to do something that we said, wait, that's hard. Wait, that would require great sacrifice of me. Wait, God, I, I've got a few other things to do first. All of us have been in that position, but as servants of the living God, we, we don't wait till it makes sense. We do it when he speaks. And Abraham, Abraham was an expert at that. Because I don't know if you remember the story that comes later in his life where he is asked to sacrifice his son. You know what always struck me about that story? It wasn't that he was ready to, strike, uh, to, to sacrifice his son. It's that he heard from God and the very next morning he gets up early and goes to take care of business. He goes to sacrifice his son. There's no arguing with God for Abraham. There's no trying to cut a better deal with Abraham. God speaks, and he says, I'll be on it. And he got on it as quickly as he could. Secondly, a faith like that of Abraham's finds security in those promises of God. Yes, our focus is to be upon God and not just his promises, but those promises are important to you, I hope, because they tell us that there is a better life when we follow after him. It rests in God's word alone. No visible tokens were given to Abraham. There was nothing like he walks in and the Hittites look at him and said, boy, we can tell you're going to be a great neighbor. Here, here's a plot of ground for you to take. No visible evidence whatsoever that God's promise of the land was going to be his. He lived his whole life in Canaan as an alien, as an outsider to those who were in charge in that land. Despite his years that he spent there, again, at least a hundred of them, despite his years in that land, he, he never really fit in. He never belonged. 
You know, kind of like I feel sometimes in our world today. As a Christian, sometimes they, they don't mind us so much being neighbors, perhaps, so long as we keep our lives to ourselves and don't bother them with our faith. We don't really fit in so often, and, and that was the case with Abraham. He, he lived his life as a pilgrim, and that was enough for him. And that, that is perhaps one of those favorite terms that I, I've come across to describe the Christian life. We, we're pilgrims here. This really isn't home, is it? This is, this is not where we really belong and we can wake up every morning and know that whoever we see on those golden streets, they're going to be somebody who shares our faith, shares our love for our God, and has no desire other than to be near him and to be with the saints of God. Uh, we're not going to find that here in this world, but we will in the world to come. And, again, as you grow older, one of the things you learn as you have a family and you start getting to worry about a whole new set of problems, uh, we, we find that Abraham sets an example for us to follow because faith that affects us, that's one thing. Faith that affects our family, that, that's another thing. We, we, we have to learn that God loves them more than we do. And a lot of times what it ends up meaning is that we need to quit worrying so much about them. Not that I have mastered that yet. And if any of you have, you let me know how that works. I still have children that we pray for daily. Because I fear for their future in the world that we live in. I fear that for that faith that they have at least professed, that it might not last. But Abraham learned to trust God for his family also. He made no attempt to settle down, to build up an inheritance that he could then pass along to his children. Because again, what did he leave them? Well, he was a man of some substance, of some substance. He did have money, but he still had no land to leave him. And so what were they going to do? They were going to move around in tents just like he had. How many in the church today have told themselves that because my career demands it and I want what's good for my family, I'm, I'm going to have to leave you all for a while, you understand. Well, they still come home at night, but their, their career takes up most of their thoughts. Well, they, they eventually find that they have lost a family while they've gained a career. Abraham saw his family growing up in, as strangers in the land just like he had. But he was content with that because God had told him nothing else. Move to Egypt where things are better. No, not, not for Abraham. The God who takes care of us, the God who has taken care of me, for the years of my life, he can take care of our, our family too. Let us learn to cast those worries upon the Lord and he can take care of them better than us anyway. Faith, like Abraham's, is a faith, faith that finds security not in money, not in land, not in the power or wealth of the nation we live in, but finds security in God alone. He is where we turn when that need arises. And then finally, this was the point 
again, as I said earlier, that really led me to this passage. Faith, like Abraham's, is one that desires, the greatest desires of our life are to be found in God and in the spiritual life he has called us to. You'll notice again that 10th verse, why is it that, that he had faith, lived as a stranger in a strange land? Why, why did he do that? Verse 10, because he was looking for a city which has foundation, whose architect and builder is God. You see, he wasn't disappointed when things didn't go his way, or, or, or again, at least to the extent that we can recognize it in Scripture. I'm sure he suffered disappointments along the way, but he stuck with the Lord. Despite seeing evidence that what God had promised was coming his way, he, he stuck with the Lord. He continued to believe, exercised that faith that is needed because he wasn't really looking for the promises of Canaan. He was looking somewhere else. He was looking to what we now call the New Jerusalem. He was looking forward to that life, uh, eternal life in heaven with God himself. He didn't grow impatient when he was looking for a place to settle down. The, the city that he would choose to live in. He, he, he didn't look for it because, quite frankly, it was that better city, that heavenly city that he wanted most of all. For Abraham, one place was as good as another. In the end, where have you ever lived that you knew, I'm going to live here for the rest of my life? Now, I'm retired. I think I'm in the house that I will uh, finish out my life here on this earth in. But I don't know that. Nothing's permanent, is it? And, and if you want to test me out, quit, quit, praying, quit paying your property taxes for a few years. See if that's still your house. You know, it is one of those things that we learn. We live in a world where nothing endures forever. But again, Abraham's okay with that because he says, I'm not looking for that city anyway. Besides that, what city would he want? Shechem? That, that city where those vile men had violated his son's uh, sister? And no. How about, how about Lot's choice? How about Sodom? Wouldn't that have been great? It was an upcoming city, had all the nightlife that you would want. Uh, Abraham said, no, thank you I am content with wherever God leads. That's why when it came time to, to separating from Lot, Abraham said, no, you, you go first. You're the younger. I am the elder. I, I should get first choice, but you know, quite frankly, I don't care. Because wherever I end up going, I know that I will be following the Lord. So you take your choice first. Wouldn't it be great if we could do that with our decisions in life? I may not get what I want, but I'll get what God wants, and that's good enough for me. So we, we, want that kind of, we want that kind of life for ourselves and for our children. Perseverance is possible because we set our sights high. I, I am never going to be satisfied. You are never going to be satisfied, even if you have the treasures of all the world at your beck and call. You're not going to be satisfied with them. How do I know that? Well, I've seen enough examples of rich people who are very unhappy people. They are popular. 
They are powerful, they are rich, and they are unhappy because they don't have what we have. We have the one who gives us that joy that cannot be interrupted, that joy that is ours for all our life on this earth and even beyond. Instead of demanding our inheritance now, I want all the things that are important to me and I want them right here, right now. Kind of like the prodigal son, give me my portion of the inheritance now. I know you're not dead, but you're close enough, so go ahead and give it to me. It, 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 is, it is our hope that we have that which God has promised, and it is a heavenly home. Let us remember when we are struggling with the sorrows of this life, the disappointments that come sometimes, who is it that we follow? We follow the one who is called the man of sorrows. You know, he's called that for a reason, right? He's called that because there was much sorrow in his life. And yet, what does this very book that we are looking at tell us? In the fact, in the very next chapter, chapter 12, it says that he endured the cross. Why? For the joy that was set before him. And, of course, that joy for him was the salvation of the elect of God. He came to save his people. And for that joy, he said, I will endure the cross. I don't know what cross or crosses God may have for any of us in the days ahead. But I know this. I know that if we are walking with God by faith, we will find that which truly brings joy to our life. God blesses us every day. Faith helps us to recognize that and in the process find, find that which the world will never find. Whatever money they may come up with, whatever power they may have, they will never find it because it comes through faith in Christ alone. Let us bow in prayer. Our Father, we do give you thanks for that heavenly promise. Sometimes our sorrows are simply because we are so fixated on the things of this world, a better job, a bigger home, more friends, what, whatever it may be, we are so focused upon those that we miss the absolute and pure joy of knowing you better. Deliver us from such thinking that we may find that joy which can be contagious which those who are around us who do not yet know Christ may actually look at and say, I wish I had that for myself. And then have the even greater privilege of being able to explain to them just exactly how we came to know it. Grant us that, not only that we may find that joy in life, but that those around us may know it for themselves. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. together, so you accomplished your purpose there, John, and in, in doing that, only we started with seeing God fulfill his promise, Deuteronomy 9, and the security that we have that he does fulfill his promise, and uh, then this afternoon we go back to see when he gave that promise, and how he brought it to pass, so it's been a good day. Now let's stand together and just be dismissed by singing the God's Bible.
Praise God from whom. 